I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass, busted draft pick, and game-changing play. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow and listen to Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. I mean, the possibilities are limitless, Kevin. What if Portland drafted Michael Jordan? What if the NBA never vetoed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers? That's a butterfly effect for real. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former major leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. All right, it is my pleasure to bring to the Big Time Baseball podcast the president and general manager of the Atlanta Braves, Alex Anthopoulos. Alex was the general manager for years, uh, for I believe six or six years at least, of the Toronto Blue Jays, 2009 to 2015, uh, with Toronto. Then he moved to the Dodgers, was an executive there, and has been with the Braves the last uh, three years. Um, got Toronto into the playoffs with some huge moves. Donaldson. Encarnacion, Batista, and is doing it again with the Braves. They're in, in the final eight here. And, of course, they've got the my upstart Miami Marlins to play next. So it should be quite an exciting series coming up. Alex, welcome. Glad to be on, guys. All right, Alex, let's get right into it now. Um, I'll, I'll start right now with the pitching situation. You guys uh, pitched fantastically in round one. You couldn't have done any better. Freed. And uh, Anderson both gave up nothing. So did your bullpen, which you put together very nicely. Um, I would say with all your pitching injuries, though, obviously you had Soroka, your ace, went down. Hamels, who's been a World Series MVP, went down. Uh, King Felix, who was having a great spring training, opted out. So uh, you're without at least three starters, probably more. I probably forgot some of them. Um, As you get into these later rounds, though, you're going to have to play a five- uh, game series, best of five in the next series, and then best of seven after that. Um, how do you feel about your pitching depth uh, going forward? Do you have it worked out? Who will start three, four, and five? I guess I could guess Wright would start game three. That's who was lined up in the first series, the wild card series. But do you have it lined up for game four and five and figured out? Might you come back with Freed in five? And is that your concern? Yeah, so look, there's no doubt we've lost a lot of guys that we were counting on. Like you mentioned Soroka, you mentioned Cole Hamels. Uh, Mike Fultonavich pitched really well for us the last two months of the year. He was our best starter uh, last two months of 2019 with a two ERA and uh, had a huge game two start for us against the Cardinals up against Flaherty where we won that game. 
Um, and obviously game five was just a, a, a game that didn't work out for the entire club. So, and Sean Newcomb, we were hoping to give another opportunity to, to start. He did a nice job out of the bullpen in 19 and struggled um, at the end of 2018 out of the rotation. But there's no doubt we lost a lot of guys. So now, like you mentioned, Kyle Wright would be lined up to start game three, game four, and potentially a game five. Uh, we have some ideas. We haven't determined anything. I think like you talked about, the importance of our bullpens um, can't be understated. They're a huge part of what got us here. The bullpen and the offense pretty much carried the team the entire year. Now, in between, we had some good starts, but it was our, our rotation ERA was you know, towards the, the bottom of the 30 clubs. So um, we have had it trending in the right direction with some of the young guys. Bryce Wilson's thrown well. And Oscar Noah's thrown well. Um, so those guys have done a nice job. But there's no doubt for us to go deep into the playoffs, we need these young guys to continue to emerge and take a step for us. Alex, the, the NLDS has, has been rough on you guys the last couple of years. You mentioned that series against the Cardinals. You get to the game five, and it just got out of hand pretty quickly. What is it about this team this year that makes you believe this is the year you guys get over the hump? Yeah, I mean, look, I, this is my third year in, in Atlanta as a GM. And, um, you know, from the minute I walked in the door, all I heard about one, they were in the middle of a rebuild and had lost 90 games, I think three years in a row or four years in a row. And, um, you know, the, the, the talk when we finally got back to the playoffs in 2018 was that the organization had not won a playoff series since 2001. So obviously the playoffs have expanded this past year, but just winning a series was a big deal here. Hadn't been done in a long time. And look, I felt like, uh, 2018 against LA, the Dodgers were just a better club than we were, and they beat us. You know, and last year with the Cardinals, I liked the way we stacked up against them. Thought we had a great club. Game four for me was really the key game. We had a 2-1 series lead going into game four, multiple times. Acuna had leadoff double, leadoff triple with two, three, four uh, coming through with Albies and Freeman and Donaldson and so on, and we could not get the run in, um, which. Most times, those guys are elite players. They're all-stars. Um, they would have gotten it done. And then we had leads in those four games, either, you know, in the eighth inning, um, all four games, and we just weren't able to uh, to hold those leads. So it was a combination of things. And then obviously game five, just things uh, totally fell apart for us fast. But I felt like those first four games we had a shot. Now you look at the Red Series, and that's really the, the summary of the playoffs. The Red Series could have gone the other way. Obviously, I'm glad we won. Team did a great job. The you know the rotation in the bullpen was fantastic, but a few breaks here and there, the Reds could have been on top, or we certainly could have had a game three. And you look at what the Nats, what they went through last year. They finally won the World Series, but for years they had great clubs, and they could never get past the first round. And I don't know that there was anything specific other than maybe it's a small series and the randomness and so on. Um, but I did feel like 20, 2018 probably didn't deserve to get past the first round going up against LA 2019 and certainly 2020. Um, we were certainly capable of being able to advance and I'm glad we were finally able to get through and no one can talk about having not won a playoff series in Atlanta now for a long time. Well, yeah, good job getting over the hump there. 19 years. I, I didn't realize it had been quite that long and your guys looked like they really enjoyed it. Uh, beating, if not beating Bauer, beating Bauer's team and the Reds who were, I think picked by a lot of uh, people to win as a kind of a trendy pick there. Um, you were the 
a higher seed, but, uh, you know, it was not going to be an easy thing. Now, speaking of not easy, you beat the Marlins six out of 10 uh, in the series uh, this year, uh, regular season, but they're obviously an upstart, interesting team, um, and they have excellent pitching, as you know, with Sixto Sanchez and Alcantara, Pablo Lopez. Uh, how do you look at this challenge uh, going forward? I think a lot of people are going to favor you, uh, but uh, how do you look at it? Yeah, I think generally speaking, I rather when we're not when we're the underdog. I, and I can tell you the three years I've been here, no one's expected us to make the playoffs. We haven't been picked to make the playoffs or win the division. Um, like you said, we were not picked to beat the Reds, and it seems to work out for us. So I prefer that we go under the radar. Um, I just I think it's easier for everybody else uh, now. With with respect to Miami, like you said. Ten games, we won six of the four, but those those games were really close. Now that was obviously the one big blowout game, but apart from that, they were some tight games, some one run games that we won. And again, the series could have easily gone the other way. Uh, they're a really tough, tough club. We, and on top of that, in those six, in those ten games, we didn't face Al- Alcantara once. So uh, they're they're a good club. They're a strong club. They've got tremendous team speed. They play hard. Um, the back end of their bullpen is really starting to emerge. Those guys are doing a really nice job. And like you said, that rotation um, is as good as, as anybody has with good power arms. So I think it's going to be really close. Alex, I, I want to talk a little bit about you. You, you took an executive job with the Dodgers prior to, to being uh, with the Braves. And obviously the Dodgers have had a lot of success. What were you able to take from the things you learned in Los Angeles uh, and bring them over to Atlanta. That's a great, uh, great thing to ask. Cause I, I've talked about this a little bit, you know, so six years as a GM in Toronto. And prior to that, I was an AGM and was a scouting coordinator and had been in the organization 12 years there. And, um, you know, at the end of my time in, in Toronto, I was given the opportunity to say, to stay and sign a contract extension, but you know, it was well-documented. I just didn't feel like, you know, that was probably the best place for me to stay uh, with my contract being up. And I, I, I chose not to resign there. And at the time I was 38 and I'm 43 now. Or, um, and I just felt like it was a point in my life where I was at a point in my life where, you know, after my fifth year as a GM, I felt like I finally had my brains beat in a little bit and failed enough and didn't get the team to the playoffs where, you start learning some things and it's probably like a player, right? Eventually you, you fail, you get sent down and hopefully you make adjustments and you learn. And I felt like going into that six year, 2015, I'd really made adjustments to start really paying more attention to trying to build a team rather than a collection of players and talent and really focusing on how the pieces fit and the makeup and the character and everything else. And, um, you know, stuck with it and we had great success in the atmosphere and the clubhouse was great. And ever since that moment, I never deviated from that. And also really putting an emphasis on team defense as well was a really key uh, thing for me. And, you know, when I left, um, you know, I was really glad and grateful that I had some opportunities to go to some other clubs. But when LA called, I felt like, where can I go that I'm going to get better and I'm going to learn? And I felt like, you know, the Dodgers with Andrew Friedman and Farhan Zaidi, really bright, bright, successful guys, um, being able to be around them day in and day out. You know, and the way the structure was set up is I basically got to share a lot of responsibility with the two, two of them and work uh, closely with them quite a bit. I learned a ton. Like, I'd like to believe I brought some value as well, but 
you know, from my standpoint, I thought I, I gained, and I, I've used the example of it, it was like going to grad school for, for me um, because they're so smart and they're so good. And I'd say the biggest thing that exposed that I was exposed to is just having depth, having enough players, especially to get through a season. I think in, in Toronto, we had a lot of stars and a lot of really good players. And, and I, on my own, I learned the value of trying to put a team together and how the pieces fit and so on. But, you know, the importance of at the time, the rosters are at 25. I probably focused on that 25-man roster when I was in, in Toronto and going to L.A. And I think with Andrew being in Tampa and Farhan being in Oakland, they understood the importance of that 40-man roster, that depth. Guys are going to have bad years. Guys are going to get hurt. Your next line, your next group of guys, you know, they, they're, they're equally as important at times to get through the year. And also the value of prep and the advance work. And the amount that you, you could be relentless on trying to make guys better and to prepare. So those are the things that I really took away. And ultimately, when I came to Atlanta, um, you know, from my Toronto days, the number one thing I wanted to do was, one, improve the team defense. That was critically important. Um, you know, We made our first big deal was to make a trade with Matt Kemp and clear spot for Acuna. And then also with our advanced process, our, our, our prep and so on. Um, that's something with, you know, the analytics department, R and D and so on. We put a lot of dollars into that as well. And those were some key things. And the rest was just to stay out of the way. These guys, you know, the, the previous, uh, the previous individuals that had been here from John Hart to John Copalella to Frank Wren to John Scherholz, they had done fantastic work here, getting great young players, a lot of tremendous talent. Um, so it just needed a few tweaks and a little time. And really to just stay away um, and not get too involved and not start trading everybody away and let the players finally come through and support them with better defense and maybe a little more prep and a little more more resources on the R&D side. You, you talk about uh, building the full uh, 40-man roster and what you learned from uh, Farhan Zaidi and Andrew Friedman. One thing that seems to, for me, at least from my standpoint, stand out about you is that you're not afraid to make the bold move. Obviously, in Toronto, uh, you brought in uh, Donaldson, which was a, a trade that was well-received and ended up great. You brought in Price, uh, which gave you a chance, I think, to really potentially, and you didn't do it there, but potentially uh, become a series con- World Series contender. And here in Atlanta, um, you had some big signings in this offseason. One worked out, one one has not worked out, and that was uh, Hamels and Ozuna, but they were big, big signings. Uh, could you talk a little bit about um, um, – those two signings and uh, what, what went into it and uh, how you feel uh, certainly with Ozuna uh, things have turned out uh, and would you like to keep him as well or what are you going to do there? Sure. No, you're right. We definitely, we were pretty active early out of the gates in free agency, whether that was bringing Marcakis back, Flowers back, signing Darren O'Day, signing Chris Martin, signing Will Smith, signing Cole Hamels, signing Ozuna. So we did a lot early. Uh, I felt like, I remember 2019 going into September, just we had a lot of free agents that wasn't being talked about in the media, which I liked. Um, but we knew, wow, we have a lot of work to do. Uh, Brian McCann was going to be a free agent as well. We signed Travis Darno as well, obviously. So it's another guy I forgot about. Um, Danny Chivaria, backup shortstop. So we had a lot of pending holes coming and it wasn't really the focus. So we just wanted to be below the radar. But we had a list, a targeted list of players we were going to go after early uh, because we had so many needs. We don't want to be sitting there in mid-December, late December with eight spots to fill or nine spots to fill. Um, you know, So we were going to be very specific and go after those players hard. So some of the guys that you talked about specifically, you know, Cole Hamels is someone that, that we like. You know, we liked a lot of those starters, whether we felt like financially they weren't going to fit for us or maybe the, the commitments were too long for us. 
or the dollars were just getting, but it seemed like obviously the starter market last year was very strong in terms of free agency and Hamels was willing to take a one, one year deal. And the other component too, for us is like I talked about, uh, it's, we set a high bar on bringing the right type of guys into our, our clubhouse, especially with so many young players. And the other thing is we also wanted to give an opportunity. We felt at some point Ian Anderson would show up and we felt like guys like Sean Newcomb or Kyle Wright, um, or some of the other uh, other young guys could continue to take a step. Bryce Wilson as well, and we don't want to block their path at the same time. So um, we were very specific, and you know, we felt Cole, you know, what he could do every five days was certainly going to be important for us. But we liked what he was going to bring in the clubhouse for the young guys because the rotation was so young with Soroka and Freed and everybody else, and we felt Cole with what we knew of the person and the makeup, he was going to help other guys, and he actually has. Unfortunately, we didn't get him to, to throw a whole lot for us. But, you know, talking to Max Freed, he's felt Cole Hamels has really been a big help for him in the current year. A guy like Ozuna, clearly uh, Josh Donaldson was a huge part of our team, middle-of-the-order bat, hitting cleanup for us. Once we had got the sense that we were going to lose Josh Donaldson, Ozuna's a guy that we identified at the start of free agency um, and we felt could fill a middle-of-the-order bat. You know, we did feel that he'd be undervalued just because he didn't have the, the year's he had had in Miami when he went to St. Louis. He had good years, not great years, but we still felt that that great year was still in him. Um, and we liked the fit from a clubhouse standpoint and so on. So we had kept in touch with Ozuna the entire time, um, but we were still committed to trying to work something out with Donaldson. Once that got out to a number and year that we just weren't prepared to go to, we jumped on the, Oz- o- we jumped on the Ozuna deal at that point. And um, it's been great for, for both sides. He's been able to um, to have the year he knew he, that he that he could have. We got great performance out of him, and we'd love to have him going forward. Yeah, that was such a a, a great signing uh, by you guys bringing in Ozuna, especially uh, after losing out on, on Donaldson. I got to ask about your MVP candidate, uh, Freddie Freeman. Uh, what a terrific year he's had, especially after the scary situation contracting COVID early in the season. Just talk about how, how much easier he makes your job having a guy like that on your on your roster. Well, it's huge. It's huge. And, you know, the one thing that – another thing, and I've, I've learned a lot of things because I failed, failed a lot. Um, you know, one thing I didn't value as much early as a GM is I didn't value that games played column. You know, you're so caught up in the talent and when guys are out there, uh, what they do. And, you know, the one thing with guys like Freddie Freeman and Nick Marcakis is they post – they're durable, and it helps when you talk about having depth and 40-man roster and so on. And Knowing that for the most part, those guys are going to be available for your manager every day. And they also set an expectation for the other guys on the team. And obviously, Tony, you played. You know that those, you know, there's a certain starter that day or a guy's a little bang, banged up, and he may just not want to play that day or take that day off. When you have guys like Freddie Freeman is your best player that are setting the, the, the tone – um, you have fewer guys that maybe aren't willing to grind through and fight through some things and play. And they bring a culture and a mentality. And Josh Donaldson used to talk about this all the time too. You know, when we got him, you know, we liked Brett Laurie a lot at the time, but he would just have a bunch of injuries and so on. And Donaldson, I remember when we got him, he talked to me about what he felt was the sixth tool and the sixth tool was staying on, on, the, on the field. And um, again, I, I thought I was aware of it, but I didn't value it enough. And Freddie, beyond being a great player, which he obviously is on both sides of the ball, his durability and availability. And like you said, when he was uh, when he came down with 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 COVID and so on, and he was he had a rough go of it the first few days. 
I was waiting for the phone call for him to tell me, look, I'm not doing this. I can't, you know, I'm going to opt out. And I would have completely understood. And, um, but knowing him, I'm more, I think about it. I'm not surprised that he wanted to grind through and wanted to play. And I know that he talked about this as well. The fact that we hadn't won a series in this organization since 2001, he felt that he felt the burden and not, not that it should have been on his shoulders. Um, but he knew it. He un- understood it. He's very proud of this organization. He's very, he takes being a brave, very, very seriously. He loves this organization. And when you have your best player, your most elite player, who brings all those other qualities, characteristics, it makes the manager's job easier. It makes the GM's job easy, easier. Um, it's hard to quantify those type of things beyond what he brings on the field. Yeah, you know, I think I don't have this vote, so I can say I think Freeman is the MVP of the National League this yeah, no year. We'll see how that goes on. But all right, that was Alex Anthopoulos, president and general manager of the Atlanta Braves. His team is in the NLDS now versus the Marlins. It's been a pleasure to have Alex on on Big Time Baseball. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.